Welcome to another episode of the James Lee podcast. It's still a working title, still waiting for the, the right inspiration to, to pick a better name if I ever come up with one. Um, today I have a very special guest. He is a friend and a co-worker of mine, uh, Teak Lucas. Hey, hey, what's good? <laughs> Thank you for coming. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here, man. All right. So I like to, I'd like to start with all my guests and ask the first question of, what does your name mean? What's the story behind your name? Absolutely. So my name is Atik. Um, I actually got it from my father. Um, the name is, uh, I guess, traditionally like a, a Muslim name, and the name means the noble. So my dad had it um, when I was born. I was his first son, so he gave it to me. Um, He got it actually from my grandmother. My grandma was like one of those defectors. You know, Um, she, you know, came from a a normal black family household. She was a Christian Uh um, and totally got absorbed into like the black power movement. Okay. Um, So she had the huge fro and like left her parents and like came to New York to start her own own thing. and she changed her name. Her name was originally Barbara Curry. Um, and she changed her name to Baina Sabor um, as like a part of that transformation into her faith. Um, and then ensuing, she named my father with a Muslim name and my uncle, his name Sharif, which is also a Muslim name. Cool. So yeah, just a, a interesting tidbit. Very cool. So your grandmother came from where? So my grandmother came from New Jersey, actually. They're from like Atlantic City, really. Okay. Um, her father, my my great-grandfather he actually just passed he passed that like 99 a few oh, wow. years back um they have caribbean roots so they're like uh bayesian from barbados um and then my grandfather or i guess my grandfather not my great-grandfather he's from trinidad got you okay mm-hmm. so atlantic city to brooklyn yeah so you were born and raised in brooklyn yeah there's not too many, um, you see a lot of transplants here. You don't really see born and bred. So I want to hear about, you know, what was it like growing up in Brooklyn? Because I remember having a conversation with you early on where you were you were talking about when you were growing up, Williamsburg is not the place to be. You did not want to be here. So like, yeah, like <laughs> I want to I want to know stuff, I guess the background of like how you grew up or where in Brooklyn and what you like noticed before and like what you see now. So yeah, walk yeah, me through that. Absolutely. So where I grew up in Brooklyn was Clinton Hills. Uh, I lived on Clinton and Myrtle. My grandmother still lives there today. My aunt and uncle still live there today, too. Um, a lot of my family scattered about Brooklyn, obviously, because as gentrification happens, rent just goes up. And yeah. it really became difficult for them to stay really in that area. Uh, but my grandmother's been in that apartment like since she came from the South. So it was like wow. she's, she's like kind of grandfathered into it. Um, Brooklyn was a special place when I was a kid. You know, um, I think I had a unique background um, just because like my dad was literally like the worst kid on the block. Um, <laughs> like that's the best way that I could could say that. Um, so like having my dad there, I never sensed any danger, probably because he was the danger. Um, so I didn't, I didn't necessarily have to look over my shoulder because all the people you probably would look over your shoulder were like my uncles and stuff. Um, but Backstory for my dad, so you get like that piece is that, you know, my grandmother didn't have a lot, Um, you know, even though she was with the whole black power movement, it wasn't a lot of bread there. You know, she didn't have a formalized education, um, at least from like a college perspective or anything like that, even though she encouraged me to do that. That's actually why I wanted to go to college. Um, And she was raising three boys by herself. 
Um, so, you know, they were, they were struggling a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. they were living off like three or 400 bucks for the month to split between them. Um, and that kind of led my dad to like, you know, kind of bumping elbows with people a little bit. You know, I think my dad told me like the time that it really flicked was like, you know, they, they didn't have a lot. So a lot of times they did shopping at like dollar stores and mm-hmm. things like that. And he would go to school and people would kind of like, you know, make fun of him. Like, oh, like, you know, you don't got a haircut or like, you know, your sneakers aren't really that new or like stuff like that. I think he said two kids like made fun of him, like, and really embarrassed him like uh-huh. to the point where he was like, yo, like that, like bothered me. And he had a shop class and he went and in the shop class, he just made a baseball bat. And he saw him, broke the kid's nose and took his sneakers. So he came home and the police were already there. Like he did this. And he was like, that was like the start of it. You know, after that, it was just like one altercation after another. Um, I think he said it was really just trying to feel like he had some sort of control, you know, or he couldn't, you know, you know, feel like a little bit like just better about his circumstances, but it really led him to just kind of weaving in and out of jail. You know, even at that young age, he kind of did a lot of detention camps and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother, who's like the total opposite of that, you know, she's totally like peaceful, loves everyone, right? strong believer in education and like the process of learning and being able to provide for yourself and provide for your community. That was like her deal. So her and my dad were clearly at odds. Like my pops yeah. was not for that. He was just like, what? Take it. Like whatever you want, take it. So he had me when he first got like literally out of jail. The the history between my my mom and him is my dad was like the worst kid on the block. Like nobody wanted to hang out with him. And my mom was the only one that would. So oh, wow. they've been dating since they were like six or seven. So like my grandparents what? lived across the street from each other. Yeah. Wow. There's a story that my grandmother, my my father's mother passed away several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um Fortunately, she was able to see me get into college and like start college. So that was like amazing. She like loved that. Um, but my grandmother, my mother's side always has a story of her like coming into like she heard like talking in the back room in one of the, the bedrooms. She's like, I thought I heard somebody back here. And she like my mom's sitting there like, no. And like the dirty laundry moved and she moved and it was my dad's head. And like he was like, <laughs> so like. They've been dating since forever, just on and off. And, you know, they had me at a pretty young age. They had me at like 18 or 19. Um, so my dad was very much still involved with that stuff. Ironically, which was pretty interesting at that time in Brooklyn, my dad was actually a very popular local rapper in Brooklyn. Really? Yes. He like knew Biggie. Like wow. All of those guys. Like he hustled with them. You yeah. Know? And Brooklyn, like Brooklyn was like pretty close. Like it's not like. Brooklyn back then was more close than what it is now, like in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But in Clinton Hills and Bushwick and Bed-Stuy, they, you, you knew people. Like, right. you know, you either had family or you've been places with other people. And in my dad's circumstances, sometimes he did time with certain people or in certain places with certain gotcha. people. So when he got out, he really wanted to do the rap thing. And him and my godfather, um, they kind of started doing that thing together. In fact, one of Biggie's famous... Um, freestyles where he's on the corner at a corner store yeah in front of like the the grocery shop or yeah, something yeah. there's a guy sitting on the, the trash can in the back that's my godfather oh his man. name's kojak he's a good guy yeah um so yeah like you know we were always tied into that even like uh one of the legendary brooklyn rappers too like uh smith and wesson mm-hmm. um he lived 
in my like apartment complex. So I saw him, he's still pretty like big and, you know, he's certified now. He's, you know, he's a little bit older. Some people don't really listen to his music, but right. he's always was like a neighborhood guy. He, he even drove me to a few of my uh, football games as a kid. He oh, was a man. Good guy. Again, everyone was like connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally people like move together. So, like, right. you know, you have family and people who you thought were like family or extended family. But yeah, it was a very, very interesting time. But at the same time, my dad was rapping. He was actually hustling. So that was like a, a negative drawback, you know, right. because as much as he's putting into the music, he was funding it, doing things that were obviously illegal um, at that time. So my mom, again, being the total opposite, uh, she was a corrections officer, believe it or not. What? Ended up being the deputy warden at Rikers Island Prison. So wow. she retired there. Uh, few years back too she did her 20 years and moved so i always thought that was like an interesting it's contrast. gotta be a movie like, yeah, yeah interesting contrast you know just them and you know the things that they went through in order to like get me there so uh yeah you know just growing up i had just like very different influences around me. right you, know, you got my grandmother who's like totally like education i was like the son she wanted instead of my dad <laughs> you know like i'm the one that goes to school i'm playing sports like i love doing stuff with her like i would totally go to like the mosque with her and do events with her and walk around like we would walk all over the place she would take me to the library we would spend time my dad was not doing that when he was, <laughs> he was like no way take this hat off me i'm done like oh, he wasn't man. that style so you know i got to enjoy my grandma in a different way i think than other people did that's incredible um, man yeah yeah but then there's my dad there's my dad you know he's the guy you know he's walking around with gold teeth gold chain you know He's just jig all day. Don't really know what he does. <laughs> you know, I'm a kid. I don't really know what he does. I just know he's never at work. I don't know. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, you know, it was it was good though. You know, I thought most people would think that'd be like a negative environment for a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but ironically, you know, I guess it depends on the person. Any person can make something negative out of a situation. But you know, he uh, he his friends and them really encouraged me not to do any of that. You know, okay. Um, they were really like pretty straightforward about that. Like they were just like, "Yo, this is just not for you." Right. You know, they were just like, "You know, if we see you out there, we're gonna beat you up." Just <laughs> like, "Yo, like they're like, there's no reason for you to be doing this." You know, my dad always said it was a means to an end. He was like, gotcha. "If I could have chosen a different life and I could have just played sports or like maybe feel, you know did something that fulfilled me at a younger age, you know, right. I probably would have." And he never really wanted that for like me and my brother. So like he was pretty clear about that message. Just his message was like, just do everything I don't do. Just like, do the opposite. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the route that we took. But um, being in Brooklyn and having like that sort of family network, again, my grandmother's living across the street from each other, you know, always having my aunts around and people to watch me. Yeah. It was a different neighborhood. You know, yeah. I could go to the corner store and like, like I knew the people on the corner store. I knew the people in the toy store. I knew everyone. Like, right. you, could, you know. It sucks too sometimes too. As a kid, if you get grounded, everyone knows you're grounded. You can't do nothing. Like, like you go to court, so let me get icy. Aren't you grounded? Did you get a bad test? I'm like, yo, mind your business. <laughs> just fucking blow up everywhere. Oh yeah, like everyone knows all your stuff. And, you know, you always have people watching you, which I really liked. It was like, you know, growing up in a village kind of. Yeah. You know, feel like a part of the community, you know? Something happens, it kind of happens to all of us. 
vibes. And I really like that. It's Brooklyn, but like small town boy vibes. Cause yeah, yeah small, yeah. yeah, that community. It's beautiful. Yeah, Cause man. each part of Brooklyn was like its own little enclave, like enclave. You know, yeah. if you're from Clinton Hills, you're from Clinton Hills. Like yeah, you're yeah. not from Farragut. You're not from, you know, you're not from LG. You're not from these different places. You're from where you're from. Right. And, and maybe you might have friends over there and you might casually, you know, occasionally see them, you know, whether you're at like an event or meeting up or something, but for the most part, you kind of stay in your area. Right. Um, and you know, every area had like a reputation, you know, mm-hmm. like my dad's, if you're in Brownsville, you're in the wrong place. Right. right. <laughs> That's a quick way to get punched off your bike. That's uh, um, Mike Tyson territory, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want that. You don't want none of that. He was like, That's a fat track for somebody to punch you in your face with my <laughs> he, what he said, like a the chain that you top your bike with, they punch you off of your bike with that. He was like, Oh my god. Don't go over there. Oh. Williamsburg too. Williamsburg was a very scary place. Yeah. Um, Williamsburg was like where all the drug addicts kind of went. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah like, seriously. Like that was like a thing. It was needles all over the ground wow. all the time. Um, it was just like not a safe place, especially if you were a child. Cause you know, you know, you had a lot of homeless people here mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of drug addicts and it was just like, you know, it was a fearful place for you to go, you know, cause you, you don't want to be snatched. And these were all warehouses. Right. Up. So you don't want to get snatched into a warehouse and things like that did happen. So, you know, my family was very protective of me not to go there. I think even my, um, maybe my, my grandmother's like cousins, like grandma was like one of eight on my mother's side, mm-hmm. but like one of our distant, like, like family members actually was here and actually was addicted to drugs and died uh. of like AIDS. Um, it was a very, like, that's the type of environment that it was, you know, you were, if you were going there regularly, they assumed you had some sort of habit or right. were like a really scummy drug dealer, like kind of like dishing heroin to people um, uh. at their lowest. So yeah, Williamsburg wasn't like a place, you know, people were like excited to hear you were from. They were like, Oh, that's, you must be having like really tough time. Like, right. People would be like, do you need help? Like that's like most of the time, like the second question, like, are, are right? Like, but, when, so when did you um, start noticing like that that trend changing? Like I guess the gentrification. When did you start seeing that like here or just in Brooklyn in general? I guess. So here's the here's the thing. So I moved out of Brooklyn just or, just before high school, um, but the time I know the exact moment that gentrification hit my neighborhood they put up a connecticut muffin i swear to god i remember it clear as day i was hanging out with my grandma and it was always across the street there was like an apartment building above it but there was nothing below it mm-hmm. but for whatever reason in the neighborhood nobody felt the impulse to like put a store there mm-hmm. at this time in brooklyn every store was a corner store like they did gotcha. everything so we had like three and like a four block rate. It was like, you know, we didn't really need nothing there that felt that they would change it. So people kind of just used it as like a local gathering spot. Mm -hmm. There was a church on the same block. So people after church would kind of stand on that corner and talk and, you know, whatever. Um, Ultimately, obviously, like my dad and his friends would be hanging out on the corner, like sitting there chilling. But for the most part, it was like, you know, just like a communal spot. People would casually sit there or mm-hmm. take a rest there and just like a really good people watching spot and then one day they just changed it into connecticut muffin and i was like what is a connecticut muffin i was about to ask <laughs> you what that is <laughs> it's just like a coffee shop essentially okay. and like we were sitting there and no one in our neighborhood like would go and pay for 
two or three dollar coffee at that time. Right. What? Yeah. So make coffee at my house. I was (laughs) like, that's a little strange. And my grandma was like, I don't know who's gonna be going there. Little did we know, we know exactly who was going to be there. <laughs> that place is booming and is one of the first businesses that was there that really represented like um, gentrification in our neighborhood. Shortly after that, the toy store started going out of business. Mm. Um, some of the corner stores started going out of the business. They changed the Chinese food restaurant to a Thai food restaurant. Like you just see like little things, things yeah. just like little things that the neighborhood, like, yeah, again, we knew everyone. So like right. the owner of the Chinese, like we knew him and his family. Like I went to school with his son. So like I knew them, you know, so seeing them leave meant that they were being replaced in our neighborhood, you know. So what, early 2000s? Yes. Okay. So that must have been, that must have been, I'm, I'm wondering if it was landlords So like your lease is up, I'm jacking it up or you got to get out. Was that a lot of that? Yes. With your, there was a yeah. lot of that and it was a lot of purchasing. So uh, in my neighborhood, it was always, um, you know, people think like the hood is like just like rough and tough. But the reality is, yes, there are some places that are just bad, like mm-hmm. just hard places to live. But the reality is, is like, again, like outside of my dad and his friends were kind of just being jerks, like everyone else was working, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Everyone else was working, doing their own thing, um, you know, just trying to strive, try to get ahead, you know. Um, for the most part, most of the families I knew, their parents had multiple jobs, um, right. which I think is a part of why some of the kids can like do so many things parents aren't there to parent you Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was just like um a lot of that and they kind of capitalized on that they just swooped in and would just offer a price that they would have never imagined you know not knowing that that's a fraction of what they would be selling it before i remember they even approached my grandmother about it and they were like oh like yeah we'll buy this place for like fifty thousand. and at the time she was like wow that's like a yeah. pretty crazy thing but my you know my parents and all of them kind of talked and she was like yeah you know i really want to stay here i'm not going to do it that same apartment that they offered her with like four fifty sixty thousand dollars for the apartment next to it sold for nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars yeah like last year wow so it's like they were just pricing people out yeah, and yeah. since people you know couldn't imagine like oh like this apartment being worth anything like that, right. they were like, "Oh, this is an opportunity for me to maybe have one less job or be there for my kids a little bit better. Yeah, maybe we can take this money and go somewhere else, the suburbs right. or something like that." Which is like kind of the, the the pattern that even my family took. We kind of left a little bit. There was like a little bit of me and a little bit of my mom being concerned about my dad because mm. you know, they were like, "Yo, you're out here in these streets, like, like you can get killed. Like right. that happens." And my dad had like a scare where somebody actually did pull a gun in front of him and he stopped it like, oh, just, wow. like the person that pulled it so my mom was just getting to that point where she was just like yo like either you're gonna do this rap thing or we're gonna leave like there's no in between right she gave him like a pretty defined timeline we're just like yo you're not ready to do like it's over like if you can't make it big we're rapping by this time we're out once that time came she was like let's go like we had a stroke of luck and we were able to move but a lot of people didn't get that opportunity. So they had to go to different places in Brooklyn that were much harder, you know, right. as transplants there, which is also not great. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That was, I I didn't expect that story to, to flow the way it did. That was, yeah, that was super cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess on, how was Manhattan, how did Manhattan play into your experience as a Brooklynite? Like, was there a lot of, no, no. no. 
that was just another it's like a whole nother place even for right now like if i talk to my grandma my aunt, mm-hmm. like they i mean manhattan is like the glitter and glitz you mm-hmm. know when you know you're from here you know this is your home right you know, brooklyn's your home you know um and you know ever again like it, it doesn't hurt that it is brooklyn you right. know where <laughs> you can literally get anything you could yeah. get in the city here Absolutely. you know whether it's a really nice dinner etc you know it's not that far right but it definitely is sheltered off you know right. um that's definitely like i'm going there to party you know, mm-hmm. when they found out that I was moving there, they thought I was a big shot. You, know, like, you think you must be a big shot. You know, over there, I'll huh? Mr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah Mr. Manhattan. Okay. Um, but to be real, like most of at least the people around our family, the people that I knew in Brooklyn, the pinnacle of success was the suburbs, you know, um, moving to the suburbs, you know, having that opportunity to be out there. So, you know, a lot of people, that's like, that was their goal. That was part one of my conversation with the Teak. Part two will be out next week. Happy holidays.